Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. It is Thursday, January 5th, and this is People Every Day. Hey, you guys, it's me, Janine Rubenstein, here with you as always. And I hope you have a broom and maybe some additional cleaning supplies handy because we are absolutely diving into this messy drama that has come to light in Prince Harry's book about his life in the royal family. The memoir isn't officially out until Tuesday, but the internet is already buzzing about it. We'll also be catching up with American Idol alum Chris Daughtry all about his amazing cover of Journey's Separate Ways. But before all that, let's catch you up on on what's been buzzing around out there today. We begin today with some very good news. He's awake. Buffalo Bills safety DeMar Hamlin is awake, you guys. The Bills shared an update on the 24-year-old's condition earlier today, saying, quote, per the physicians caring for DeMar Hamlin at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center, DeMar has shown remarkable improvement over the past 24 hours. While still critically ill, he has demonstrated that he appears to be neurologically intact. His lungs continue to heal, and he is making steady progress. We are grateful for the love and support we have received. Oh, I love this news. Shortly after the statement from the team, Hamlin's agent confirmed the news to CNN and that he has been holding hands with his family. This all comes just three days after Hamlin suffered cardiac arrest during the fourth quarter of Monday night's Bills and Bengals matchup in Cincinnati. Hamlin had to be resuscitated two different times, including once while on the field of play. There is still a lot more we don't know about Hamlin's long-term health, but this whole ordeal has been so harrowing and I am so, so happy that he and his loved ones have some good news today. We continue to wish him all the best in his recovery. Now, even after the deep dive we took on yesterday's show surrounding the University of Idaho murders, we are continuing to learn more details about how authorities track down their prime suspect, Brian Koberger. As previously discussed, Koberger, a Washington State University graduate student, was arrested in his home state of Pennsylvania on December 30th. For weeks, it seemed like investigators were at a loss for who took the lives of the four students, but apparently Koberger was at the top of their list of suspects. Koberger drove from Washington State to Pennsylvania with his father, and during the cross-country road trip, he was pulled over twice on December 15th, both times in Indiana for tailgating. News outlets are now reporting that an FBI surveillance team was monitoring the father and son duo during their trek across the country. Federal agents reportedly asked the Indiana State Police to pull over the now infamous white Hyundai Elantra so that the officer's body cam could capture images of the suspect and his hands. This is an interesting piece of the puzzle that led to the eventual arrest of Cobra 
Goldberger, but today also brought news that DNA evidence did, in fact, play a major role in pinning down Koberger. Earlier, an affidavit was released and reviewed by People, stating that his DNA was found on a knife sheath at the scene of the gruesome crime, specifically in the room where the bodies of Kaylee Goncalves and Madison Mogan were found. Also, the affidavit finally shares what one of the surviving roommates says she witnessed, quote, a figure clad in black clothing and a mask, who she said walked past her. She also heard crying that fateful night. So much going on with this. We will, of course, continue to follow this story as it develops. And now it's time to fasten your seatbelts as we are heading straight into the maelstrom engulfing the royal family. The leaked excerpts from Prince Harry's tell-all memoir are here. We are less than a week away from Prince Harry releasing his memoir, Spare. And I don't know about you guys, but this book has already taken over my entire timeline. Everyone is talking about it, especially about Harry's contentious relationship with his brother, Prince William. Joining me now is People's Senior Editor, Aaron Hill. Hey, Aaron, welcome back to the show. Uh, Wow. Hi, thank you. The news is just pouring out of this. And we got our own exclusive reporting, People did, from the book, Uh, Prince Harry says that when he was in Paris for the 2007 Rugby World Tour, he said he drove through the tunnel his mother, Princess Diana, died in and drove with a driver at the same speed Diana's driver drove at as well. And this happened multiple times. It's jaw-dropping. It's heartbreaking. Take me into this. What else did he say here? It is. And he, it really just shows the the pain that he was he was in and trying to grapple with his mother's death and trying to just kind of figure out how it all happened. And I think that this is such a like a moving, powerful piece. And he's just telling the driver, yes, go. He wants to go the exact speed she went and just kind of see what she experienced in those final moments. And he really does paint such a devastating picture with this. Gosh, what, what was the speed? 65 miles per hour. And he says the press reported that it was much faster, but that's what it was. And they went through the tunnel and he was just sort of taken back by how it was just a straight path. And he thought it would be a little more of a treacherous path and for something to kill his mother. And, and so it was just sort of just a, a very eye-opening moment for him and closure he was hoping to seek and he didn't quite get. And it sounds like he regretted that experience. It just brought on more pain. Makes you think of the driver as well. He has that one part where he says, like, when he asked for this specific speed in this specific tunnel, the driver, like, kind of acknowledged, right? He, like, gave him this nod. Exactly. And he had his bodyguard in the front seat and they just sort of realized this is something he wants to have happen and we need to just sort of let him have this moment. Well, let's move on to some other stuff that just popped up on the timelines today. The Guardian reported that one section of the book details that Prince William <laughs> physically attacked Harry when he confronted him about his relationship with Meghan Markle. Yeah, so this is a, a moment, yes, that The Guardian has reported that where Harry's revealing a very contentious moment with his brother in which they their argument turned physical. And he's saying that William was confronting him about Megan and some bullying claims that were going around at the time and calling her all sorts of names, calling him all sorts of names. And then it turned physical and he grabbed him by the collar, broke his necklace and pushed him down into a dog dish and had cuts on his back. And it just really escalated. And it sounds like a terrifying moment for Harry, a sad moment between the brothers and just a moment that just escalated. Whoa, 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 whoa. 
Okay, so I know The Crown said that they weren't going to do the Harry and Meghan years, but I think they're going to read this book. Quite dramatic. And reconsider, right? Yes, absolutely. The stories about Harry and William don't stop there. In a conversation with Good Morning America's Michael Strahan, Michael says that Harry writes in the book that Prince William is both his beloved brother and his arch nemesis. There's a quote in this book where you refer to your brother as your um, beloved brother and arch nemesis. Strong words. What did you mean by that? There has always been this competition between us, weirdly. So what else did Harry share in that interview? Yeah, this really comes from the idea of the heir and the spare. And Harry says, yes, it's his brother who he loves, but also they're kind of from birth, the arch nemesis in a way between the heir and the spare, the same as the monarch and the heir. It's just a very unnatural position for family members to be in. And Harry is saying that they've kind of always kind of played into these roles their whole lives and everyone's called them the heir and the spare and it's part of his identity. And so that definitely starts to kind of weave its way into the brother identities as they grow up and sibling rivalry and all of that. Well, Harry's interview with Michael isn't the only big sit down he has coming up. He's got his interview with Anderson Cooper on 60 Minutes this Sunday. And if you live in the UK, you can watch his interview with ITV News anchor Tom Bradby, also airing this Sunday. In a new trailer, though, that dropped today for the ITV interview, Tom Bradby asked Harry if he will go to his father, King Charles's coronation, on May 6th if he's invited. And we also have to remind you all that May 6th is Harry and Meghan's son's, Archie's birthday. So much happening. So so how did Harry respond to that question about the coronation? Yeah, so Harry's asked this, this question that everyone's wondering, will Harry and Meghan be at the coronation in May, at Charles's coronation, considering a lot of the tension going on within the family? And and Harry doesn't really answer it directly. He just says there's a lot that can happen between now and then. It kind of keeps it kind of vague, saying the door is always open, that there's a lot to be discussed, and that he hopes they're willing to sit down and talk about him. He said in an earlier interview with Tom, with the clip of it, that he wants to have his brother and his father back and that he kind of alluded to it being in their court at, that, at this time. So it remains to be seen whether he'll be at the coronation, but it does sound like he's open to those discussions. I am so interested in what those discussions <laughs> would be like after all of this. Aaron. it's always so great to have you on and thank you so much for stopping by to discuss it all with me. Thanks for having me. You guys, there is simply too much royal juiciness to squeeze into one segment. Coming up, we will be joined by our very own Michelle Tauber to get her take on Spare, the leaks, and what conversations the Windsors must be having behind closed doors. Who knows? Maybe this book is what causes Prince Harry and the rest of the family to go their separate ways for good. And speaking of separate ways, it's been 40 years since Journey's Separate Ways, first flooded our airwaves. And right after the break, we will be sitting down with vocalist and guitarist Chris Daughtry to talk about his new Separate Ways cover with Lizzie Hale. We'll be right back. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. was the latest rocking track from Daughtry. From belting out rock tunes in his bedroom as a kid to being discovered on the American Idol stage way back in 2006 and in 2022 having one of the fastest rising rock songs on the chart with their hit single Heavy is the Crown. Grammy nominated Daughtry, fronted by none other than Chris Daughtry, is just getting better. So here to tell us all about their next chapter of music is Daughtry superstar frontman and names sake, Chris Daughtry. Chris, welcome to the show. Hi. Today is the 40th anniversary of the band Journey, releasing one of their all-time greatest hits, Separate Ways, World Apart. You are releasing your cover of this song today on the anniversary, and it is featuring Lizzie Hale of Hailstorm. How does it feel for you to be doing this? It's surreal. I've gone through all the emotions this morning. We had been talking about doing a classic cover for a minute, and I was watching the finale of Stranger Things, and they used separate ways in this incredibly epic scene. Me and my wife were watching, I was like, oh my gosh, this is the song we need to cover. We started kicking around the idea of making it a duet, and Lizzie and I had been talking for years about working together, and we have so much respect for each other as friends and as artists. And I called her up. I was like, would you be interested? And she was like, oh my gosh, that's my go-to <laughs> karaoke song. I'm in. <laughs> I love it. Well, well I, I want to talk about you for a little bit. You're an independent artist now, right? Yes. Uh, your own label. You're answering to no one. And you really got back to like the, the rock side of Daughtry on that yeah. dearly beloved album. So what does that feel like to be in your own space and to put out music that is like, just true to your core. feels like home. It feels right. And it's so weird because I was away from it for so long that I kind of lost sense of my own artistic voice in, in a way. And I remember when I parted ways with RCA and I was able to shut out everybody else's voice, I was, all of a sudden I could hear my own and what I wanted to do. And I started listening to records that, that made me want to do this in the beginning, you know, as a teenage youngster in my room. And I started listening to those records again, Alice in Chains and Live, Throwing Copper and those records that just made me excited to want to be a rock singer. And I was like, why am I not doing this? It just felt right. It felt good. And I haven't looked back. I love that for you. And fans are rooting for you for, of course, the music is fire, but for so many other reasons as well. You have been through a lot, as we know, just significant losses on the family side. As we begin the new year, like, how are you navigating life now? How are you pushing forward? How are you feeling? One day at a time. You know, yeah. some days are easier than others. The holidays are obviously a little harder. Yeah. It brings up a lot of memories and good memories. You know, my mom's birthday is in December and her and both my daughter, Hannah, they loved Christmas. Like it was their favorite time of the year. Yeah. So it was, you know, that's that's something that that certainly brings up a lot of emotions and, and memories. And 
I don't think you ever get past that. And, and that's okay. You learn to live with that and still celebrate the memories you had and, and allow the emotions. Some days are hard and we don't hide it from our kids. You know, some days we struggle and, and I think that's a healthy way of navigating it on the days that are hard, you allow it. That's the, really the best thing I've, I've learned is, is allow it and try not to beat yourself up with guilt for things you didn't say or didn't do because you can't, you can't change that. But what you can do is um, apply that to how you interact with who you are with and who who is still with you. Wow. Oh, Chris. Well, just my heart goes out to you and your wife and your family still. um, But it's so good to see you just back to doing what you do so well and just inspiring so many other people with your music and your story. So just so appreciative. Thank you for being here and taking the time and for sharing this rock, like just hit with us. Like (laughs) we know you have an upcoming tour in the UK that kicks off in March. Everyone go stream separate ways as well. That is out now. Chris, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. We are back and there is still so much to cover in the world of the Royals. So we wanted to bring in People's Editorial Director of Society and Culture, a true friend of the show, Michelle Tauber, to go even deeper with us into the Windsor whirlwind surrounding Spare. Michelle, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Janine. So page six is saying that Prince Harry is claiming that Prince William and Kate Middleton encouraged him to wear that infamous Nazi uniform to a costume party in 2005. And we all remember those photos. So if true, this is a pretty serious accusation to make. So according to the outlet, what Prince Harry writes in the memoir is that William and Kate howled with laughter when they saw him wearing the outfit. And that was back in 2005. So Harry was only, he was 20 years old. And that photo subsequently went around the world According to page six, what they said was that Harry was debating between being a Nazi or a pilot or along the lines of a colonial or native themed costume party is the language used in this report. Only one of those is okay. Wow. Yeah. And that William attended in a lion costume. And what Harry writes in the book reportedly is, I phoned Willie and Kate, this is apparently the nickname, wasn't known before. The nickname he uses for William is Willie, and asked what they thought about the Nazi uniform, and they both howled that it was even worse than Willie's leotard outfit, way more ridiculous, which allegedly, like he writes, that was the point. We know that Harry previously in the docuseries that just aired a couple weeks ago, said um, how deeply remorseful he was for wearing that outfit. It was one of the biggest mistakes of his life, he said, and Mm, how ashamed he felt afterward. And I think now we're getting even more context, right, Janine? And I think this is an example of what Harry wanted to do with this book, which is provide the context, hey, I wasn't getting the support or the gut check I needed from the people around me. So I think that's part of what he's trying to show with this book. Well, continuing in the vein of Kate and William, in an excerpt published by Us Weekly, Harry says he felt that Prince William was, quote, gone forever after he got married to Kate. What does he mean by that? So, yeah, in this portion published by Us Weekly, 
Harry felt like it was yet another farewell and says something like, you know, the brother that I'd escorted, he was the best man, of course, like escorted into Westminster Abbey that morning was gone forever. He says, who could deny it? He'd never again be first and foremost Willie. We'd never again be in Africa together, in horsey smelling cottage, learning to fly. All of these things that he's reflecting on were their tight bond. And part of this, of course, is Janine, like, do you know, two brothers growing into adults, right? This happens with the marriage. Okay. I took this as a jab at Kate when I first read it, but now you're explaining it. Yes. Okay. I understand. Yeah, I get exa- it. <laughs> exactly. I think, no, I think it is. But I think the, the reason you take it that way is there is that wound of that hurt of you, mm. you chose her. I mean, of course this is life. Like, and he says that life happened, but I think it's also a very raw, he said, Janine, you know, he said it was going to be raw and unflinching. Yeah. <laughs> and this is a very raw look at like how it really feels internally when a sibling gets married and you feel abandoned. Well, in the docuseries, Harry and Meghan, that, you know, we just finished, like, (laughs) (laughs) recuperating from, (laughs) just premiered on Netflix, it was said that Meghan was used as a scapegoat to distract the press from snooping and reporting unflattering stories about other senior members of the royal family. And the interactions between the firm and the press were described as, quote, don't write about this. Here's a story about Meghan you should report on instead. Ooh. Now, they didn't say it in the docuseries, what stories the firm was trying to cover up. But do you think some of those stories could potentially be shared in Prince Harry's book? Yeah, I do. And, you know, again, I think we're now seeing, aren't we, Janine, the docuseries set up some of these themes so that they would then be expanded on in this memoir. So, and this is one of them. This idea of Megan as a scapegoat is certainly something that I think we can expect Harry to point to in the memoir. He wants the world to see that. And again, yeah. we, we heard that in the doc. And now I think he's hammering home this point. Well, he keeps also speaking about wanting to <laughs> mend fences with his brother, Prince William, and his father, King Charles. And like, after reading some of the stuff, you're like, what? Well, the documentary and these upcoming interviews and and this book just all seem to completely contradict that. So as someone who has covered the Royals for so long, do you think all of this coming out will garner any type of reaction from the palace or are they going to be completely hands off? We know that Harry has talked in the past. He talks in this memoir. He's speaking in these interviews about sort of owning his truth. I mean, this is, again, one of their big themes. And there can be that case made. People who've had their own experiences with therapy and experts often say that only when you have been able to be your authentic self with someone else can a relationship move forward. He is sharing with them, with the world, this is me, this is who I am. And I think it's interesting, there was a clip of an interview released today where he said, is he going to the coronation? The ball is in their court. Yeah, and you know, it's yeah. true. <laughs> like, He's right. I, my cards are on the table. I'm yes. American now. I'm oversharing. Yes. <laughs> yes. My, it's my yes. new American yes. trait. And like, exactly. what are you guys going to do with it? <laughs> exactly. As wow. far as your question, Janine, about do we think the palace is going to respond? I mean, so far, they are saying absolutely nothing. They have said it's a no comment. I thought it was interesting in one of the interview clips where he says, you know, my family mantra is never complain, never explain. But it's not true. What Harry says is they say that, but then they go off the record to Mm. outlets and say everything they really want to say. And I think it's interesting, Janine, because he's calling them out on that so very publicly. If they were to do that now, 
Yeah. It proves his point, right? Yeah. Well, obviously, this coverage continues that you and the Royals team are working around the clock. Bless your hearts, because it's just one thing after the other. What more do you think we can expect coming out over the weekend into next week? There's two different things happening. There's the memoir itself. I want to remind people that in the docuseries that they replayed the clip from Oprah in the docuseries when Harry says, I will never reveal the conversation about race. I think that told you you're not going to hear it. Yeah. yeah. They wouldn't have put it in the dock unless he was not going to reveal it in this book. Michelle, it also told me that it wasn't William because I feel like he has held no punches when it comes mm. to talking about William. The person who so far really comes out with the, it, having received the most blows is William. Yeah. But then there's the other piece, Janine, which are the interviews. So yeah. there's much more to come. And how far Harry goes in those interviews now that so much of the book has been reported, how far like, you know, he expands on what he already wrote or addresses new questions. Again, the sit-downs were recorded before all these reports. So are you yeah. going to go back and do more? It's a big question. Oh my goodness. It has been a busy Royals day worth a whole show. <laughs> and it is yeah. about to be a busy Royals week. Uh, guys, you can head to people.com for continued Royals coverage. And Michelle, it's always just a royal pleasure <laughs> to talk to you. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you, Janine. I would like to end today's show talking about friendship. I have so many great friends in my life. I don't know where I'd be without my bestie, Autumn. Love you, girl. Uh, Good friends are the people who lift you up when you're feeling down and are the people who celebrate your successes when you're on top. But great friends, well, they're the ones who can make fun of you like no one else can. And Hugh Jackman and Ryan Reynolds are just those kind of friends. Uh, The two have been publicly making fun of and pranking each other for years now. And yesterday, Jackman took to Instagram to throw some playful shade at Reynolds. The X-Men movie staple started off praising the new Apple holiday film Spirited, which stars Will Ferrell, Octavia Spencer, and of course, Ryan Reynolds. I loved Spirited. It's it's great movie. We had a blast. The entire family watched it. I love Will. I love Octavia. And then the Aussie deadpanned to the camera his biggest fear coming true. Ryan Reynolds receiving praise and potentially an award for one of the songs featured in the film. I've just heard the Academy have shortlisted Good Afternoon in the best song category. Now, Ryan Reynolds getting a nomination in the best song category would make the next year of my life insufferable. The two of them are bringing their iconic characters, Deadpool and Wolverine, to the Marvel Cinematic Universe in the upcoming Deadpool 3 film, which is clawing its way into theaters next year. So yes, they will be spending a lot of time together in 2023. But please, please, from the bottom of my heart, do not validate Ryan Reynolds in this way. (laughs) I love this so much. Only two people caught in the middle of a true bromance would continue to rag on each other like this, and I definitely can't wait to see the two of them team up on the big screen. Well, that's our show for today. I'll talk to you again tomorrow as we close out the very first week of 2023, right here on People Every Day.